Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolfen. Today, we are joined by a bitter rival, the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast, John Corrales, Alex Wolf, to talk. We're going to talk Danny Ainge, uh, <laughs> the guy who's currently with the Jazz, but spent a long time with the Celtics. John gives us a great uh, look at how the Knicks can approach things with Danny Ainge, sort of, or if there's just nothing to be approached, because it sounds like he's just a stubborn, stubborn man. Uh, we also talk about the Knicks offseason moves to this point and how things look from John's perspective, from a division rival's perspective with moves like the Jalen Brunson signing. And I school John on why there was no tampering, <laughs> why tampering is a joke. Uh, no, just kidding. But we get into all that next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks and here at Locked On Knicks 200. Thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We're now available on all platforms and that includes on YouTube. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster. Just had my my first uh, call with the coach of the year, Alex. Very excited. Football around the corner, just a little over two and a half weeks away for me. Uh, Some big games out in New Jersey. Don Bosco, Bergen Catholic, much more relevant to your listening ears. He is Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of The Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. You can check them out on social media at thestrick.land. And we are going to be joined by a man who covered the almost- NBA champion, Boston Celtics. You know, I didn't, John's such a nice guy. I don't want to do too many digs to his face. So I got to get some in, in the intro, Alex, but uh, he's also brilliant and uh, makes a lot of good points about Danny Ainge. So we'll get into all that with him right now in this first of a two-parter with our guy, John Corrales, right now on Locked on Knicks. All right, guys, as promised, we are joined by the great John Corrales. He's the host of the Locked On Celtics podcast. He also co-hosts the Locked On NBA podcast while also covering the Boston Celtics for the Boston Sports Journal. He wrote the Boston Celtics all-time All-Stars. Great read. And I found this out looking at your Twitter today, John. You are available on Cameo. So a, 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 a versatile skill set for our guy, uh, John Corrales, who was yeah. last on this podcast to talk Kemba Walker, that unfortunately didn't end well. Hopefully, this crossover isn't as foreboding. Uh, we, were, we were talking about a little pre-show, but John, uh, you've had a much shorter off-season than ours has been. How, how's it going so far, though? It's it's great. It's great. Uh, you know, looking at that preseason schedule and realizing there's a game in a month and a half, you're like, oh my god, that means camp opens soon, and I haven't I haven't taken my my two week off-season vacation yet from Boston Sports Journal. I'm like, wait a second. I, for the first time in a long time, I need to like, oh my God, I need to like get a, squeeze a vacation in because <laughs> this thing's going to turn around real quick. And I mean, hopefully from a Boston perspective, you get another long run. Um, so it's, it's fun. It's fun. You realize like, wow, after making that run before, you're like, this, this could be a long long road which everybody's hoping for but when you're in the middle of it you're like wow this is uh, it's september rolls around you're like if they go through june again you're like 
that's a long road. That is a long time <laughs> to be working and covering a team. Well, I got to say with the with the cameo, I think maybe we should get into that too. I think some of our YouTube commenters would pay good money to hear us say we suck. Um, <laughs> uh, at hey, any you rate, guys pay me, uh, you know, fifteen dollars a piece. I I will say whatever. Yeah, I think I, I think some people would really be into that it's idea. Such a silly, it's such a silly thing. A couple of people asked me to do it, so I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Hey, you know, give me some drinking money, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, well, at any rate, John, the the note we wanted to open on as it pertains to the Knicks here, they are currently locked in negotiations with a certain former uh, Boston GM or President of Basketball Operations, whatever his title was there, Danny Ainge who ran the Celtics for such a long time now is, uh, you know, doing that role for the Utah jazz. We've already seen the Rudy Gobert trade. Uh, so, you know, we, we get the idea of what he's, what he's angling towards here, but basically having covered and followed him for such a long time with Boston, how do you think Ainge is going to handle the Donovan Mitchell negotiations? Do you think there's a world where he continues to hold out indefinitely, uh, which seems almost like it's out of spite, or when push comes to shove, do you think the Knicks kind of meet him in the middle and a, a deal eventually gets done? Or do you think there's any chance that, you know, being in in sort of the opposite position of what he's used to being in without a mega desperate team that maybe he just finally takes the best offer available at some point, which probably will be the Knicks? Well, I mean, I, I'll start with this. Everybody expects it to be the Knicks somehow. Like this just the, the makes the most sense. Um, where's Danny's head on this? I think you, you look at his history and the jokes are there, but I think in a negotiation sense, he's willing to walk away. He's very willing to not do the deal, which works in his favor in this instance, because if, if the Knicks are really like, if they really want Donovan Mitchell and they know that, Danny Ainge will walk away. And if there is, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if you start hearing the rumors, just like we heard with Kevin Durant, like all of a sudden Boston was interested in Kevin Durant out of nowhere. Uh, you wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't know, pick a team. Portland is, uh, you know, Ooh, you never know. Uh, Portland has entered the sweepstakes just to start to like get people in that Knicks front office thinking like, no, would they? No. Well, and then get just a goose the the conversation. I'm sure Danny Ainge will will play whatever card he needs to play, but he is willing to walk. He's willing to let this linger. He doesn't have to make a deal now. He can wait until we get into the season. He can wait until mid-December when a lot of the restrictions lift. He can wait until the trade deadline when there's pressure on other teams. And if the Knicks, if if things are working well. With the Knicks, then maybe maybe the 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 worm turns for for Ainge and he has to give in. But if the Knicks aren't doing as well as they had hoped, then maybe they say, you know what, screw it, we're gonna we'll give you the extra two first round picks and and whatever. So he's willing to play the long game, um, and he's willing to do whatever he needs to in order to to get the deal that he wants. And it's gonna be the deal that he wants. He does not like to do deals where he doesn't not just win, but like win handily, right? The the Minnesota deal was like, oh my God, Minnesota gave up. What? Go back to the Brooklyn deal 
for Pierce and Garnett. It's like, wait, those are all unprotected picks. He 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 doesn't just want to win the trade. He wants he wants to like forty point blowout the trade. Yeah, and I think I think the only area I I push back on is the idea that there's no downside for Utah in just keeping Mitchell and saying why don't we let this play out? Why don't we see who emerges? And I, I don't want to I don't want to over discuss it because that's not really what we're here for. But this generational upcoming draft, you have Donovan Mitchell, you're winning extra games. It it, it is the storyline of the season instead of having a as, as you know John a bright young coach and Will Hardy and saying all right we can we can get this moving in a new direction. We have as much pick equity as any team this side of Oklahoma City. And instead, you're answering questions about Mitchell all season. You're losing the race for, if not Wembenyama, someone else in this absolutely loaded top eight. But to your point, it, it, that's only relevant as far as Danny Ainge considers it relevant. And if that's not a priority to him, if he doesn't personally view this as a once in 20 years draft, then that doesn't necessarily matter. And it matters a whole lot more um, whether he thinks, to your point, oh, well, you know what, if Portland comes in, they could make an offer fairly similar to the Knicks. I think where we keep going back to is there just isn't that team right now that mm-hmm. just has the capacity to offer anything close to the Knicks that also has an obvious need for Donovan Mitchell. Pressure could flip the other way. It could also flip the other way in the sense that uh, Grimes or Obi Toppin or Emmanuel quickly could emerge as a clear-cut better prospect than they are right now. And all of a sudden, Leon Rose gets to say, we're actually taking a pick or two off the table if you want this mm-hmm. guy. So there's a, a lot of different directions it can go. But I, that, that's why I kind of like getting your perspective on it, because if Danny Ainge is that stubborn, it doesn't really matter what reality is. It just sort of matters what Danny's take is on what's best for the Utah Jazz. Yeah, and I think the odds that, you know, the flattened odds for in, in the lottery kind of work in Danny's favor a little bit. You know, you're yeah. not you're not just tanking to be the worst. You, all you got to do is get into that bottom three or four, and you're doing okay, and and if the draft really is as good as that, then, you know, you, all you got to do is basically miss the playoffs and you should be okay. Um, I, I don't know how much Donovan Mitchell is going to really uh, impact. If he makes the roster bad enough, you know, it, it could just make things more frustrating and, and maybe they just sit him. Maybe they send him home. Maybe they pull, pull that move. I, I don't think they want to get to that point, but um I, I get your point. I get I get what you're saying. And it's there's certainly like the Knicks have their their advantages as well. Um, but I think in the end, Danny's gonna be like, I got the player, you got the picks, you know the cost. And the the more the more he just holds out, and again, the willingness to hold out, the the history that says Danny Ainge is willing to not do this deal because even if it goes past the deadline, he still has a sign and trade in his pocket. So he could always turn around and say, if you really want, um, if you really want Donovan Mitchell, I can, I, I can make it. So he doesn't even have to go into free agency. I'll make, I'll, he'll be available to everybody and we'll just sign and trade him away next summer. So I'm not really feeling the pressure. So Danny can play a lot of these games. If anything, he's he's he probably I don't know if he's allowed to because of his religion. Um, and I'm not saying that as a joke. I don't know if he's allowed to as a Mormon, which he's very devout. But he could be a great poker player because he's willing, he just will hold and play the cards and 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 you have you end up somehow playing his game. 
no matter what advantages you have, you either play his game or you're out too. So it, it's, it's an interesting kind of stalemate. All right, we'll be right back in with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. We're going to continue talking about Danny Ainge and then start getting into the Knicks offseason so far without any Danny Ainge deals uh, with just the Jalen Brunson signing and all that. So that's all coming up in just a sec. But first, I got to let you guys know today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And if you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you're really depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There is a new flavor ready delicious indulgent cookie dough it's covered in chocolate that's right built has done it again let me introduce you your new favorite cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture real cookie dough chunks and of course they're covered in 100 real chocolate all the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it plus it's healthy for you cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them so run to built.com to snag a box for you and the family it will be the perfect treat or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them for yourself that's what i do because i really like them uh, i've had to resist the urge to not be rude and eat one while recording the ad again uh i did that one time and made me feel really filthy so I haven't done it since, but one of these days, maybe it, these cookie dough chunk ones are really making me consider changing that policy. Because like all Bill Bars, the new cookie dough chunk puff is can is covered in 100% real chocolate. That means they're healthy and tasty chocolate covered cookie dough with a light, fluffy texture. They're so good. And what's great about Bill is all their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. So go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you can get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Yeah, you know, you actually kind of led perfectly into how I, I wanted to sort of wrap this Ainge discussion up. And this is something I was thinking about while we were sort of planning the show here and, and, and that I've been thinking about lately. And I think you're the perfect person to like bring this up with, but I'm kind of curious how, how Ainge handles being on sort of the other side of the negotiating table in a big deal like this, like pre go bear trade, his, his experience with a situation like this was with Pearson Garnett and but there was obviously a, a very desperate team in the Billy King Nets that went all in when they probably shouldn't have, definitely shouldn't have, and you know made that huge deal. You can argue if the Timberwolves should or should not have gone all in too, but they also were clearly pretty desperate to like finally make something happen with Cat. They had their first like little taste of the playoffs this year, you know, uh, post Jimmy Butler and Tibbs at least, and you know things seemed to be going in the right direction there. So they were like, let's just try to make this splash, right? There doesn't seem to be that sort of market for Mitchell. And like, I think Ainge in the past has been more on the other side of the table where he's been the team that's more like the Knicks for years, you know, at least where the Knicks are right now, right? Like he was in on the the Anthony Davis discussions, on the Paul George discussions, on the Kawhi Leonard discussions, like every available star, it was almost like a running joke where it was always just like, Oh, the Celtics are in on him, you know, like, oh, Danny Ainge might surrender some of the picks, but then never did, you know, because that's, I think, where his his biggest uh, reputation of, of being a steadfast guy comes from, at least to me. So how do you think that he handles being in this opposite position where he's never really had to be the guy that has the potential of, of discord on his roster? You know what I mean? Like. He's always been the guy that's in the situation that the Knicks are kind of in right now, which no matter how many people want to say the Knicks are desperate, I don't get desperation off of them at all. They they have right. a young core. They just signed a big free agent, you know, that they're very happy about, that they're excited to bring in and have start playing. 
they have, you know, good young players. They just re-signed their first guy uh, that they've re-signed off a rookie deal in like 20 years in Mitchell Robinson. They're probably about to do the same with <laughs> RJ Barrett. So like, you know, morale is pretty high with the Knicks right now. And I think they're really happy if it's not evident by the, the steadfastness, steadfastness that they're showing in their negotiations with Ainge. I think they're pretty happy with what they have right now, you know, on the team. And, and they're really happy with these young guys that they've kind of unearthed in the late first round and all that stuff. And they, I think more so than the jazz can just say, well, we don't have to do this deal. Like if we don't mm-hmm. do the deal, we have a team that the fans are excited about and half the fan base anyway wants us to not make a move because they're all like, you know, oh, just build with the young guys for once, blah, blah, blah. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's not like they're going to get destroyed by at least the fan base if this happens uh, where they don't trade for Mitchell. So, like, how do you think that Ainge handles that situation where he's never had to be the guy with the disgruntled star? He's always been the guy holding out his pieces and not trading for the disgruntled star thanks to a high asking price. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually push back on a little bit that he's never he has been actually. You got to go way back to when he first took the job. Um, he came into a, a team with Antoine Walker and Paul Pierce, and they had some some middling playoff success. They had that big comeback against the the New Jersey Nets that you know they 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 had made some runs. They were in a way a little Knicks-ish in there they they had they had some intriguing players they had paul pierce on the roster and antoine walker they they kind of had some i don't know if it was fake playoff success but it was like one of those like they they caught a couple of breaks or whatever and 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 they they made some runs there that that maybe made people feel like they were further ahead than they really were and then you know so Ainge comes in and immediately he trades Antoine Walker. And it's like, wait a second. We, I thought we were going to build around these two guys. And he's like, nope. And comes in right away and makes six trades in his first offseason. Antoine's out. Um, he he gets he gets involved in, at one point, the, the biggest deal in, in NBA history. Like, I don't know, it was like five, six teams. It was a crazy, crazy deal. He, he got the reputation as trader Danny. Because he took a team that was in the middle, he was very much in that Knicks situation, and just broke it all the way down. And he did have a disgruntled star in Paul Pierce, and he almost traded Paul Pierce. He in the Chris Paul draft, there was a deal that could have gotten uh, Pierce, given up Pierce to get up to uh, draft Chris Paul. It, ne- it never really materialized, but there were there were some. There were some points there where Paul Pierce was almost out. Um, that got smoothed over, and then you get to – then he acquires Kevin Garnett. Then he acquires Ray Allen first. Then he gets Kevin Garnett, and they're off to the races, right? But in the beginning, I think I think this Utah situation in not exactly apples to apples, but pretty close – mirrors a little bit of that Boston situation in that he came in and immediately traded one of the better players, the best player, you know, best players on the roster and said, this isn't working. And so boom, this guy's out. And now Donovan Mitchell kind of becomes his Paul Pierce. And 
he has a thing to he has a decision to make with Donovan Mitchell. And I think the message has been sent. Like guys that he was friends with on the roster are gone. Um, thing ways the team had been kind of catering to him have stopped. And the message is if you want to be here, you're doing it our way now. And if you don't like it, that's fine. We can accommodate you and you can move. And so if if at some point during all of this, Donovan says, you know what? I, I actually, I want to stay. I want to see this through. Then I think Danny Ainge will try to see it through because he's done that before. And he's won a championship that way before. Part of the reason why he's he's got all of these picks is to trade them away in an effort to, to get the start. He's not sitting there rebuilding. Like maybe, maybe he can hit in the draft. Maybe he can go and hit in that draft. But if, 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 if that's how it goes, then that's how it goes and he will adjust. But the Danny Ainge that I know is going to try to, if, if he reconciles and, and goes with Donovan Mitchell and says, Hey, we're, we're, we're we are going to work this through here. He's going to turn around and flip some of these guys and some of these picks to try and get and, and be a buyer. So he has another path to go. Um, I can see that path actually happening. And if the Knicks actually see that path happening, then that that's like, that's one of those things where, like I, I've been saying it, he's willing to walk away because he can have, he can work on that path. He has other avenues and keeping Donovan Mitchell and trying to work through and making making him his Paul Pierce is is certainly a possibility. Like this isn't we have to trade Donovan Mitchell, end of story, period, whatever. There, there are other options. So I think Danny Ainge has shown in the past how he can handle this. And he's been he's been on both sides of this. And um it'll be it'll be interesting to see. If he if he relents on his asking price, or if he just says, you know, okay, fine, I'll I'll do this for a pretty good price, but I do still think that he's willing to kind of stay the course if he needs to. No, I think I think it's an excellent point, John, because we we always talk about at least on our podcast like the the new kind of free agency in the NBA, right? And it's guys like Donovan Mitchell, like Kevin Durant, who have two, three, even four years left on their contract, saying, all right, I got my money, but I don't love this situation. I want to go somewhere else. And we're in, we're in the player empowerment era, but literally you still, you still have some leverage when a guy's on a deal for three years. And there's reporting out there at this point that Donovan Mitchell has essentially told the jazz, Hey, I'm, I'm out of here in three years. So if you want to get something for me, now's the time. But we've seen that. Um, I mean, just in the last 20 years, I mean, Paul Pierce is a good example of it. Kobe Bryant's a fantastic example of it. Guys asking out and then remedying that when the situations get better. Obviously the Celtics got Garnett and Ray Allen, uh, Kobe Bryant got Pau Gasol. And I would argue, like, if I was being objective and if, or if I was a Jazz fan, that Utah is in a far better position to try and win a championship around Donovan Mitchell post the Rudy Gobert trade with all those extra assets because they can get a credible second option offensively, maybe a, a two-way option with all those extra picks that they have. But they still have to convince Donovan Path that they should go down, and they have to do it expediently enough that um, this thing doesn't uh, – boil over and it does get to a point where it's just completely untenable to keep Mitchell and I think that timeline if we're going to talk about pressure on Ainge uh is the pressure in the situation but John we only meant to talk about this for a couple minutes even though it turned into a fascinating <laughs> conversation so I, I just wanted to I wanted to ask you real quick because I, I think Alex and I are pretty 
sober observers, but it's always interesting to get another perspective on how the Knicks are doing because there's there's this gap between um, what I would say is like the 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 smarter side of the people who cover the Knicks every day, and then like the national media who like they're they're it's not everyone, but there are like some who like regardless of what the Knicks do, there's a LOL Knicks narrative like oh the Knicks got Jalen Brunson they gave him over a hundred million dollars oh my god those fools it's like no that's like he's like the 14th or 15th highest paid point guard in basketball it's pretty reasonable for a guy who averaged. 20 plus points per game in the NBA playoffs and is very young. That is neither here nor there. I'm curious to get your opinion. How do you feel about the Knicks uh, offseason? Um, I mean, look, Jalen Brunson's a good player um, and he's what, 25? So, yeah. you know, it's it's not – I think we all have to just collective we have to get over the fact that four years, $100 million, $100 plus million, we're still in the, oh, my God, that's too much money for anybody. And we got to remember that guys are making 40 and $50 million. And it's, it's hard to like the, the, the cap spike, I think it's still hard to recalibrate our thinking of what a good contract for a good player is. And like you said, 25 year old guy with the numbers that he's put up um, making $25 million a year or so. That's yeah, that, that, that's fine. That's good. Um, I think with the Knicks, I, I just I'm still kind of wondering what direction they're going in. That's that's the big thing. Like, okay, yeah, we're going with Julius Randle. Nah, we're done with Julius Randle. Like all of a sudden he's like on the way out. Uh you're you're going with like a big defensive presence. We're we're going behind Thibs and, and you made your playoff run uh, with you know based on defense and and obviously the offense struggled and and you go so far the other way that, you know, Kemba and Evan, Evan Fournier and you go so far the other way. It's like, it's not, it's not a recalibration. It's, it's, uh, it seems like the, there's a little overreaction, like something that requires a little screwdriver turn, the Knicks pull out a hammer, you know? And that's, I think where I, I still see them. Um, you have talent there. I'm not sure about the exact collection of talent and the fit of that talent, but you know, there's, there a, a trade or a coaching change or a philosophy change away from something snapping into place. I, I don't, I don't see the Knicks making a ton of sense. I think they're still a middle of the pack team. Uh, even with Jalen Brunson, I still think that they're fighting to like their big fight this year, I think will be to avoid the plan. And, and can they, can they get up to that sixth seed? And I don't I don't think they can. Um, but there are things like RJ Barrett taking a step forward. Does Cam Reddish figure himself out? You know, what exactly is the impact of Jalen Brunson as the guy? Um, what, what are the moves are you going to make? Do you make the, the Mitchell move? Do you move Julius? Randall? Like a lot of these things, there are still questions to be answered. So I don't, I don't think the Knicks are like a particularly dangerous team this upcoming season, but there, there are pieces there that you can, you can talk yourself into but there are certainly moves to make. Like they're 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 kind of like 
still in the amass talent and kind of figure things out kind of stage to me. Yeah, I think that's about where most Knicks fans would would land them to. You know, I don't think that outside of maybe the most uh, the most delusional, I don't think anyone is like thinking, oh, this team, you know, even if they get Donovan Mitchell is like, you know, somebody's it, getting a, a tattoo Knicks champions yeah. 2023, yeah. right? Like already got it. But yeah, I'm with you, like with the Brunson number. And I feel like people just haven't got I think especially for Knicks fans in particular, there's been two very public failures of $100 million contracts over the last 20 years, which was Alan Houston first at around the year 2000. And then uh, Amari Stoudemire 10 years later in 2010 uh, that everybody still looks at or just like hundred million dollars. No, <laughs> like you can't give yeah. that to somebody not realizing, like we were just talking about on the show the other day, Bradley Beal and Damian Lillard and, a host of other guys are going to be making $60 million by the that time that their contracts are up. Insane. Um, and, and the new TV deal, you know, the NBA is gearing up to probably run into something like what the MLB has, but probably for much more money, like start, you know, selling some of this off to like streaming services and whatever to start hosting games. And yeah. Turner is literally canceling whole movies that they're already like most of the way done with to clear budget room to probably pay the NBA like a gazillion dollars. So, yeah, you know, this Brunson contract. Yeah, this Brunson co- contract is likely going to be like, I don't know, a sixth of the cap, right. something yeah. like that in about two the years. Issue, time. The issue with the Brunson contract is that it seems like the Knicks jumped through a lot of hoops and did a fair bit of tampering and did all of this stuff for Jalen Brunson, right? Like the, the outside perception is, well, Jalen Brunson's dad is an assistant coach. Now, of course he is, he's been an assistant coach. So it's not like he, he is an NBA level assistant coach, but the Knicks hired his dad and Leon Rose's son happens to be his agent. And it just seems like there's a lot of, backroom dealings that you reserve for Kevin Durant and LeBron James and those kinds of guys. And they did it for Jalen Brunson. And it just feels like, and I don't even know if that is accurate, but man, it feels, it feels like something. It feels good. feels right to say. And it, the Knicks put themselves in this weird position where, they were clowned, clowned if you do and clowned if you don't. You know what I mean? Like you sign Jalen Brunson. It's like, why did you go through all those hoops with, for Jalen Brunson of all people? Like he's good, but like it's a lot of effort. And then if if he didn't sign, be like, you did all that and you didn't get Jalen Brunson. Like they really put themselves in a very Knicks position, it felt like this summer. That I think that's that's the bigger thing than the number, the $25 million. Hmm. I mean, if I may, real quick, and I'll let you, you may. take over. Guys. Sure, but the uh, <laughs> now I was supposed to say, I'm speaking out of turn. Normally, go back and forth, but I got I went on like a long rant about the tampering the other day, so I just got to throw my two cents in here again. Yeah, I think I think the tampering, quote unquote, is being entirely overblown because I don't think they really jumped through hoops. Like it, it's being underreported, but like Brunson is coach uh, Rick Brunson, I should say, has coached under Tibbs. Like in like this is now his third stop. He did it in Chicago, then he did it in Minnesota, and now he's back with him again with the Knicks. And it took a little longer this time, but he's back where he's been before. And the only reason that it took this long was because the Knicks hand curated a really good staff 
for Tibbs for his first two years. And two of those guys got poached for big time college program jobs. So Kenny Payne got poached uh, for the Louisville job and Mike Woodson got poached for the uh, Indiana job. So they just had an open assistant coach position. So like, yes, did it help? Did it probably help them in some way towards getting Jalen Brunson? Like he's already said, like, it's going to be pretty cool having my dad there like every day to push me, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and to, you know, be my coach. Like he's always been my whole life, but I, I think they had a pretty good inside track anyway, just by virtue of having Leon Rose. Like, I don't, I don't think that the Rick Brunson hiring was made strictly to get Jalen Brunson. I think that was going to happen regardless uh, in both cases, just because I think right. that the family ties there are so tight that that was bound to happen anyway. But the other thing to consider is just that like the Mavericks just didn't offer him as much money. Like they totally. literally offered him, no, I get they it. offered him the same total dollar number in one less year. And it's like, Oh, so is, was he supposed to like take a hometown discount? Wait, 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 and, and let's note real quick twice. they also didn't offer him the four years 55 million dollars that could have right. got him like halfway through the season which is <laughs> exactly. much crazier in my opinion but. exactly right. so i mean it's just like totally. I, yeah. I look yeah, at I'm it sorry, more so than the knicks than the knicks nixing sorry then i'll then i'll throw it back to you more yeah. so than the knicks nixing i look at this more like the mavs kind of shooting themselves in the foot and now using a tampering investigation to cover yeah, up, I, I get like, what john, john is saying butts. though it's a, it's an it's the perception of it it is but they're fair fair always there the Knicks right. are always damned yeah. if you do, damned if you don't. You know that's just how it works. Sure, this team. and like, sure. And if 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 Coach Brunson just happened to be in the meeting where the number was discussed, where you know what they might be offered to offering to Jalen Brunson, it just so happens that he had to be next to the open door where the number was being <laughs> said. Like, yeah, sure. Like, I don't know. It, it's. It's, it's also it's just funny. assuming that this stuff doesn't happen all over the NBA, and it does. No, like totally. it totally does. <laughs> it's just so funny. Yeah, it's so funny when you put this together. And you're like, oh well, there's there's two there's two dads involved with the two sons. Like, mm-hmm. of course, of course, he was going to the Knicks, and exactly. you know, you everything everything else factually is correct. The, the he should have, if I was the agent with no connection. And going through the Dallas offer, not even offer. Dallas sent signal after signal after signal. We're not sure about you. We're not sure about you. We're not sure about you. And then when push came to shove, they made a token offer for the same number with one added year. So it's a lower annual average uh, value. And of course he took, he takes the, 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 the offer from the Knicks. It's just, it's just funny that the Knicks were the ones because you could see it all lining up. So it's it I don't think anything's going to come of the tampering. And and like they can try to save face. Dallas has a lot more problems that they need to try to save face from. This is the least of their problems. So it's but it's just the narrative being out there is just it's it's funny. That's all I can say. It's mm-hmm. funny. Considering the Knicks history, the anything that happens even if it's coincidental you're like, oh, of course, this is going to happen to the Knicks, right? It's just, it's. Sorry, I, I do, I, I do, I do think the, the comedic part of it to me is if it was any worse of a player, literally no one would care. And if he was slightly better, then people would be lauding the Knicks as this being like the move of the century to put yeah, us right. together. It, it's specifically the level of player he is. So I, I, I hear you on that. All right, guys, that is it for today's episode with John Corrales, but. 
If you enjoy some Boston Celtics talk, which I know you all do, we'll be back with John tomorrow to continue this conversation, but this time focused on the Boston Celtics perspective. How real is their pursuit of Kevin Durant? Does Jason Tatum have the stuff to be a true number one on an NBA championship team? All that and much more as we get to know our enemy, the Boston Celtics, tomorrow with John Corrales. But until then, uh, remember to uh, like, subscribe, comment, leave five-star reviews everywhere you possibly can. All that good stuff. We really, really appreciate it. But until next time, be good. Peace out.